Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. I'm so grateful for the privilege to be able to teach to you this weekend, and I want to wrap up our relationship series with a teaching time about investments. And I know often when we hear the word investment, we just naturally think of money, right? But however, there is another investment commodity that all of us have right at our fingertips. You can be uh, young old, you can be junior high, you can be married or a stay-at-home mom or dad, you can be leading large corporate teams or entering your glorious sunset years like me. Wherever you're at, rich, poor, married, single, all of us can make this investment. And if you're a follower of Jesus, really there is a mandate for us to make this investment. What am I talking about? talking about the investment in the relationships that I believe God has strategically aligned, set in our lives, we're to make those type of investments. And who better to, to model us, to show us the way, because these can be tough, right, than Jesus. I want us to look at a passage in scripture, John 13, if you've got your copy of the scriptures, grab it or let's read along together. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. A new command I give you, Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So when it comes to investing in relationships, I don't think it gets any clearer than what Jesus is going to show us from this passage. And I'd like to share with you three principles for you to consider as you think about, okay, God, who have you strategically aligned my life with in this season? Who am I to invest in and how do I do it? Have you ever found that in life there are various laws that we're all subject to? Let me give you a couple of examples, like the, the salary law. Ever had this happen? Where the pay raise is just enough to raise your pay, pay bracket, but it really has no big impact on your take-home pay. Or how about the insurance law, where insurance covers everything except what actually happened? Or how about the grocery bag law, where the chocolate bar you plan to eat on the way home from the grocery store is always in the trunk in the bottom of the grocery bags? Well, Jesus says, 
I have a law for you, a new command, he says, love one another. And to a group of disciples who were well informed about the rigor of following Jewish law, Jesus' law is short and simple and to the point. Love one another. As my followers, he was saying, to have rich, God-honoring relationships, love is the watermark. Love is trump. Love is what matters. And following Jesus' example, I believe it's a, it's a big love. It's to love lavishly. So let's, let me give you some context for this account. It's the end of the day. And the disciples are coming in for an evening meal and taking off their outdoor sandals. You know, they've been walking around all day. Their feet are dusty, dirty, and anticipating a much-needed foot wash before they would eat. When the unspoken question begins to circulate around the room, like, who's washing our feet? I, I don't see any extra servant here to do it. Did you, did you get someone? And don't look my way because Peter, I've seen your feet and it ain't pretty. I'm not washing them. And suddenly in the midst of this kerfluffle about who's washing whose feet, Jesus just silently gets up, takes the basin and towel and almost reverently begins to wash one grimy, hairy foot after the other. It's rather embarrassing, you know. A task reserved um, not just for servants, but in the servant pecking order, the lowest servant on the totem pole got foot washing duty. And here is Jesus, their esteemed leader, swishing water and rubbing feet. Talk about loving lavishly. Jesus was giving a living in color illustration of what that principle looks like. It's sacrificial. It puts the other's needs first. It's selfless. It's kind. It's generous. In this one simple wordless act, Jesus with this common basin and towel loves excessively. It's, it's over the top. It's lavish. He washes all their feet and then he says, okay guys, if I have done this for you, this is what love looks like. This is how you're to care for one another. Oh, to have been a fly on the wall at that moment and have seen the reaction on their faces. Paul, another New Testament author, would, would put it this way from Ephesians 5.12. He says this, live a life of love. Live a life of love just as Christ loved us. What, what do you mean, Paul? He's saying that our whole lives, could it be from beginning to end, are to be flavored with love? And just like the selfless love that Jesus used for us, that's the kind of love we're to have for each other. What does it look like? Looks like foot washing. Meaning it's all about the other person. No hidden agendas, no ulterior motives. Just pure, unadulterated care for people in a way that is meaningful to them. I think it's really having this, this servant heart attitude and the button is on all the time and your radar is activated to sense needs in people and how you can meet them. And these are the wonderful, incredible people that we all want in our lives, right? Because, I don't know about you, but having that, that, that generous, um, selfless, I don't care about your stinky feet attitude on all the time, it doesn't come easy for us, at least not for me. It's hard not to say sometimes, hey, hey, what about my feet? 
But, you know, if we're followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in us. And something miraculous happens when he comes into our lives. He transforms our cold, stony, selfless or selfish hearts into hearts that are full of love, a, a Jesus love. And Jesus helps us actually follow that command that he's given us to do. He helps us be loving people and loving lavishly. And Jesus also said, you'll be blessed if you do this. So what's it going to look like for us? Maybe you won't actually be washing any feet today, although I know it's pretty warm out there, so you might be. But we can still find ways to put that principle into action. And trust me, when your radar is on, opportunities present themselves all the time. Let me give you some examples. Like, how about listening carefully to someone when they're going on and on and on and you just want to shut them down? But instead you say, tell me more. And you give them that dignity of being listened to. Uh, maybe it's spending time with someone when you've got a whack of work to do, but you know spending time will speak volumes to them, so you, you do it for them. Or maybe it's doing the laundry when you, instead of walking past that pile, you do it and it's not your turn and it's not my laundry, but boy, would that ever speak volumes to someone? There are so many ways we can love lavishly if we're just on the lookout for them. You know, the feet in that room at that moment were just plain up dirty. They didn't need a talk or a sermon preached at them, although they probably deserved it. Jesus could have given it because that was what he was really good at. But what they, they actually needed was to have their dirty feet washed. And so in this simple act, this generous act, uh, Jesus loved lavishly, and I believe it spoke volumes. Consider this verse, written by someone who had his feet washed that day. John, 1 John 4.12, he writes this, No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Meaning, people can't see God. But they do see you and I in living color. They get to hear our words, see our actions. They catch on to our attitudes really quickly. Let me ask this challenging question. Are you a dead giveaway that you belong to Jesus? Oh, I pray that we would represent our Jesus well and that we would put this first principle into, into action in the relationships God's given us, we'd love lavishly. Here's a second one to consider. Equally as tough, sorry. Take the high road and know that the Father's eyes are on you. You know, John records that Jesus washes everybody's feet that day. No one was excluded. He washed the feet of Judas. And Jesus knew what was brewing in the heart of Judas. He knew the rejection that would happen in a few hours. And yet he doesn't take Judas' foot and give it a little twist or yank on his toe or give him the woolly-eyed death stare when he's washing his feet to say, I know what's brewing in your heart, buddy. That's not Jesus. He takes the high road and tenderly washes the feet of the one who would set in motion the plan for his death. 
Just let that sink in. And not just Judas, all the feet would get washed that day. Feet that Jesus knew would be running as far away from him as possible in the next few hours. Jesus knew the abandonment and rejection that would happen at the hands of his friends, yet he tenderly washes all the feet. Jesus deserved to be served and waited on. He says, I, I'm your master and your Lord. But, and by that time, they had already seen who he really was. They saw him heal broken bodies and raise the dead and feed the multitudes with a couple of fish and crackers. They saw him calm the winds and the waves. This was the Lord. And yet, who, who's washing whose feet? If ever, if ever there was a modeling of what it looks like to take the high road, Jesus gave it. So what does it mean for you and I in the relationships we have? A Max Lucado, he, he words it so well. He says this, to take the high road looks like this. To kneel as Jesus knelt, touching the grimy parts of the people we are stuck with, washing away their kindness, their unkindness with kindness. So who do you feel you are stuck with in this season? Or maybe could I challenge you to think about it? Who has Jesus stuck on you? And is it for a, a specific time that you're to love them lavishly and you're to show them undeserved kindness? You know, taking the high road <laughs> will present itself a lot in our lives. It's forgiving first. When you have every reason to be grumpy and hold on to that grudge and storm off to your bedroom, but you forgive first. Maybe it's helping the new person get at work when nobody likes them and everybody has it in for them. Maybe it's being kind to that family member who everybody finds irritating, yet you take, you take the time and, and you get to invest in them. It's responding just the opposite of what you know you could do and you have every right to do, but child, because you've got royal blood, Jesus life coursing through your veins, you do the exact opposite. You take the high road and trust that his eyes are on you. And listen to someone who finally got it, someone else who had their feet washed that night. Listen to what Peter would write. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. I wonder if Peter was remembering the night when the water was touching his feet and the master's hands were drying them. Like, how do you ever forget that? Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you because that is just what we all, we're good on the, on the comebacks, right? We're good on, on getting it back, but... Peter writes, no, instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. And he will bless you for it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. Man, I know taking the high road is not always the easy path. Things don't just naturally all become roses. Taking the high road is not the pathway always to uncluttered popularity, but I really believe it's the most fertile soil where Christ-like character can blossom in our lives. 
Isn't that what we want to have, that fruit of the Spirit? And Peter says, that's where God is listening to your prayers. That's where his eyes are upon you. Oh, what a challenge for all of us to do. Love lavishly and take the high road. And here's my last principle, but just before we wrap up, look to the Lord to fill your relationship holes. Have you ever found, because maybe you're thinking, oh yeah, Jan, this is all well and good, but let me tell you, I've, I've loved lavishly. I've taken the high road and it ain't all peachy keen. I've still got family issues. I've still got um, drama with friends. It, it, nothing has turned into a beautiful, picture-perfect Norman Rockwell photo. So what about then? What about when you've done the right thing and it's, your relationships still just don't measure up? Who better to understand than Jesus? The one who suffered the ultimate rejection, the ultimate pain and suffering, yet he refused to respond with revenge or retaliation like a lamb, Isaiah says, led to the slaughter. Just that humble. He knows what it's like when it happens to you. He gets it. So we can always bring those broken, hurting, rejected, abandoned places of our hearts to the Lord because he knows. And Isaiah, he would write this. This is a passage I come back to over and over again because I often am saying to God, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. No one gets you like your heavenly father. No one knows the wonderful inner and outer hairy, scary parts of you and, and loves you so completely. And he knows when, when, when we're where we're aching for those holes to be filled. Like maybe you just want your mom and dad to applaud what you finally become. Maybe you're looking for your wife or your husband to respect you and appreciate all you do for them. Maybe you're just looking for that deep friendship or, or maybe you're, you're still single and you're thinking, is Mr. Right, is Miss Right ever gonna cross my path? All those holes holes. And we all have one measure of them in one way or another. We can bring them to the Lord because his complete love is absolutely 100% whole filling. So let his love come underneath your life and, and support you and provide for you and fill you. We don't need to limp along uh, life because our relationships haven't worked out yet. Your heavenly father can fill those relationship holes. Uh, and I've found it to be so. He's just absolutely faithful. You know, there are so many that I could name who have invested in my life these past years. And really, this weekend marks 32 years that I have been at Agent Court. And what a privilege it's been for me. And, and this church, man, you have invested in me. I, um, We've been through so much good together. You know, I'm, I'm here at the Agent Court campus this weekend, and if, if it was not COVID and we were all here gathering right now, 
I know what door you're going to be at. I know what team you're serving on. I know where your faithful pew is. We've been through so much good together. Services and uh, times around the altar when we sought Jesus. Times when you've let me pray for you in my office. We've been through cantatas. Remember those? We've been through church picnics and amazing global focus weekends. We've just done so much life together, you and I. Um, I've been, had the privilege to do your weddings. And we've dedicated your babies. And we've cried together at funerals of our precious loved ones who have gone home. You have invested in me, and, and I remember outings and dinners and the, all those late nights with my convergers and the most wonderful of Tuesday mornings with Ladies Time Out. Pastor Keith has said that we get to pastor the greatest people on the planet, and I would absolutely wholeheartedly agree. Thank you, thank you to the the many deacon board members over the years and leaders who have been so kind and supportive of me. You know, I came here a long time ago with some really deep life hurts and you gave me this sweet, secure, safe place to heal and you poured into me and you reassured me and you supported me and I'm so grateful for that. I've also had the privilege of working on some amazing staff teams and um, I've been privileged to work with the cream of the crop. I really have. And how their talents and skills have, have rubbed off on me. And this current staff team, I love those guys. Uh, they call me Mama Jan, and um, I know I, I come down on them sometimes. But man, do I ever love them. And I'm so grateful to see how God has woven and brought this unique team together for your next chapter. So church... You get behind them 1,000%. You love them, you support them, and pray for them as you did for me. And I'm so grateful for Pastor Jonathan and Shelley. This is Jonathan's fault that I can't keep it together. For his wise leadership and their kindnesses to me, isn't God good to give us such a kind pastor? one filled with vision and a heart for Jesus. Church family, you are blessed. COVID is not, is not our defining moment. There is so much that God wants to do in and through this church, and he's given you a wonderful lead team to do that. And for Keith and Esther Smith, what a huge selfless investment they made into my life. It was my greatest life privilege to work hand in hand with pastor for so many years. And those were some of my happiest times. And we worked so hard. And pastor always knew how to push me a little further to new steps of wholeness. Much of who I am today is because of his love and coaching and watching his life up close and his devotion to Jesus and his love for this church was a gift I will always cherish. So, sorry people watching, a new chapter is beginning for me with my precious family and my grandchildren. And my daily prayer is, Holy Spirit, fill me with your love for this new assignment. And dear church family, I love you. And until Jesus says, 
let's go. Let's serve him with every bit of courage and energy and passion. And I can't wait to hear and see what God is going to do through this church in your next chapter of impact. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time. Thank you.